Many, many, many years ago, Jamie and I, my wife Jamie and I, uh, planned a weekend away. We were so excited. It was going to be a great weekend to connect, to uh, just uh, have some romance and time together. We had young kids at the time, and we were just so excited. It's what she wanted. It's what I wanted. Um, but wouldn't you know, it's not what we got. Um, it <laughs> It was anything but. I was unkind. I was insensitive. I watched more ESPN than actually talking with her. And um, it, was, it was as if I self-sabotaged the very thing I wanted. My heart's desire was to have this great weekend together, and it was not what we had. And I don't know about you, but I would guess that you could say, I've had those times where something that I desire, something that I want... I don't end up. I, I, I don't end up doing that. I do the exact opposite. I, I, I just. I want to move in this direction, and I move in another direction. So for you, it might be something like this. I want to have a great, uh, mutually respectful and honoring relationship with my adult children. That's what I want. And yet, when they walk in the door, when you sit down to have a meal, when you go out together, the first thing that you start doing is talking down to them kind of uh, belittling them, being hypercritical of who they are. And the very thing you want, you move in the opposite direction. For you, you might say, I want to be more generous with my finances. I want to be able to bless more people and be more helpful. And yet you refuse to put God first in your finances by giving him your tithes and your offerings. For some of you, you say, I want to get in better health. I want to be more healthy. I want to lose some weight. Uh, and so you know you need to change your diet. You know you need to exercise. But what you do is you find yourself sitting on the couch, watching TV, hanging out with your best friends, Ben and Jerry. Just, hey, this is a great time. And so the very thing we want is what we do the opposite of. And why is it that we act so irrationally? That we move in an opposite direction of what it is that we desire. It's because there are wires that are crossed in our hearts. There's a short circuit in there somehow. And so what this whole series is about is about our hearts. Not the organ that is in our chest that pumps blood through our body, but the idea of our heart being the deepest part of who we are. The seat of our mind, our will, our emotions. It's deeper than just our thoughts. This isn't just about how to win within your thought life. Because, because our heart is deeper than that. It's the essence of of who we are. And when we get our wires crossed in our hearts, it causes all kind of problems. Because as we learned last week, um, our hearts are constantly in a battle. There's, uh, it's, a, it's a battlefield. It's a battle for our hearts because our hearts set the direction of our lives. This is what it says in Proverbs. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. In other words, what you and I need to be cognizant of and aware of is that this battle for our heart is so very important because the thing that you want isn't going to happen just because you want it. The thing that you want is going to happen because your heart is overflowing and focused on and full of those things. The direction of your life is established by the thoughts in your heart. So Jamie and I want to go away and have a great weekend. That's our thoughts. That's our idea. That's what we, oh, this would be great. That's our desire. 
But if what's in my heart isn't rooted in that, what comes out is a weekend that's not romantic, it's not wonderful, it's not fun, it's not special, it's an unmitigated disaster. So you and I have to learn that we have a constant battle happening in our hearts. And as we learned last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, the, the Bible tells us that this battle that we're in, we have weapons to fight this battle. But our weapons aren't human in nature. They're not something we can manufacture. They're not materialistic. We can't pick them up and hold them. They are spiritual in nature, but they're powerful. They're supremely powerful, so powerful that they can demolish strongholds in our lives. And their weapons are the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the truth of who God is moving in us and through us. And these strongholds are wrong ways of thinking that are built on lies. And if we don't identify those lies and tear down the strongholds, then those strongholds will destroy us. If you don't destroy the strongholds, the stronghold will destroy, <clears throat> excuse me, will destroy you. So we have to learn how do we engage in a way that says we're going to take those lies and make them any lie, any lie. I can't trust God. God doesn't love me. God won't accept me. I'm not smart enough. I can't do anything. Uh, my past will hold me back. When we identify those lies, the Bible tells us we have to take those thoughts and make them submit to the truth of who God is. Because you and I cannot live the way God wants us to live if we don't walk in truth. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, as we learned last week, live freed by the truth when your heart is bound by a lie. And so many of us live lives bound, uh, bound up by lies. We're in the stronghold. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus can set us free. The truth of Jesus' word can set us free if we learn to take these weapons and use them. So we're going to build on what we learned last week and take it a little bit farther. So last week we said we have to identify these lies in our lives and demolish them with the truth. So what we're going to learn this week is, okay, how do we begin to guard our hearts? How do we prepare and train for these battles? Because these battles for your heart will last throughout your lifetime. They won't go away until you leave this earth and step into the life to come. Until then, they are going to rage. They're going to, that battle is going to be fought. Sometimes multiple times a day, sometimes there'll be a gap in between, but rest assured the battle for your heart is an ongoing battle. So we're going to learn how to train, how to prepare for war. So I don't know, maybe you never thought you'd come to church and get a training uh, lesson, but that's exactly what we're going to do because it's what God does for us. It's what he wants for us. This is what David wrote in the Psalms. Praise the Lord. He is my rock. He prepares me for war. He trains me for battle. You and I have to be prepared to fight. Now, I know what some of you think, and we think this wrongly. God will fight for me. Now, that's true. God will fight for you. Where we get it wrong is we think if God's going to fight for me, I don't have to do anything. I can just sit back and watch God win the battle. But that's not what God does. God will fight the battle for you, through you. God fights for you, but he fights through you. If he didn't want to fight through you, David didn't have to go and stand in front of Goliath and face him. He could have said, God, I know you're going to fight for me, so I'm not going to pick up rocks. I'm not going to go stand there. I'm just going to sit on the sideline and say, get him, God. Melt the giant. Now listen, you want to talk about pe people thought David was great for defeating Goliath, but I mean, if he just said, watch, guys, watch. Ready? One, two, three. And he just dematerialized. 
I mean, they would have been like, David is amazing. But God doesn't work that way. God says, I am going to fight for you, through you. So you have to prepare. You have to train. You have to put the effort in. And how do we do that when it comes to guarding our heart? If you have something precious in life, if you had a, a priceless artifact and it was in a museum somewhere, right? there are layers of security to keep that artifact safe. The further away from that artifact, those layers of security are uh, less meaningful. Their value, uh, the, the, the value, the, the work, the intensity of the security increases the closer to that artifact you get. So you've got things out here, but in that room where that artifact is placed, there are, there's so much security because that's the most precious thing and that's the most vulnerable area. So it's the same way with our hearts. Our hearts are the most valuable thing that we have. It sets the direction of our lives. It determines the course of our lives. And so if we want to guard our hearts, then what we need to do is we need to be mindful of what goes in our hearts. Guard your heart by filling it with truth. Fill your heart with truth. There's other things that we need to do to, to guard our hearts, but the greatest thing, where the greatest value is, is inside your heart. If you want to guard it, fill it with truth. Fill it with truth. Fill it with truth. What we fill our hearts with is so, so, so important because we can fill our hearts with lies. And if we fill our hearts with lies, strongholds will be established. But we can also fill our heart with truth. And as we fill our heart with truth, we walk in victory. Here's what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, fill your minds. Fill your minds. Fill your hearts. Those things that you just think on over and over and over. Fill your minds with beauty and, what's that word? Truth. Not lies. Not your own opinions. Not what the guy on the internet thinks is important. Fill your mind with truth, God's truth. Meditate on whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is virtuous and praiseworthy. Now, there's a lot in that simple little verse that I want to unpack. First of all, there's this word that can kind of mess us up a little bit. It's the word meditate. And some people kind of get squirreling around, oh, meditate, that's mysticism, that's Eastern religion, that's New Age, uh, and it can be, it can be. So I want to give you an understanding. There is uh, the idea of Eastern or Transcendental Meditation, TD, um, and, uh, and, and that kind of meditation is, it's not biblical. What it espouses is that you meditate, and in meditating, you empty yourself, you empty yourself of everything so that you can connect to everything. Now, what that means is in, in Eastern religion, God is everything. God is in everything. The higher power is in everything and resident in everything. So if you empty yourself of everything, you become one with everything. And that is not biblical. Biblical meditation is completely different. Biblical meditation is not about emptying yourself. It's about filling yourself. I'm going to fill myself with the truth of God's word. I'm going to fix my eyes and my focus on the living word, Jesus. And as I fix my heart and my gaze and fill my heart with the truth of God's word, I grow closer to my heavenly father. My heart grows closer to his heart. I become more and more like Jesus. I become one with my heavenly father. 
That's why Jesus said, let them be one, Father, as you and I are one. So, biblical meditation is about focusing on and filling your heart with the truth of who God is. So we have to do that. We have to be consistent with that. That's part of training. Now, it's interesting, right? Paul is writing this. I don't know if you realize this. He's writing this letter to the Philippians, and he's not just walking down the street, having a good day, saying, man, look at how beautiful the sunset is, and look at the trees and and the little brook there. I mean, you should focus on all these beautiful things. No, Paul is chained in a Roman prison. He is facing and awaiting a probable execution. He knows his life is dangling by a thread. But what doesn't he say? He doesn't say, now, when life is bad, here's what you should focus on. Focus now on how unfair it is. Focus on what could go wrong. Focus on the things that your kids do that irritate you. Focus on the way that your spouse is just, you know, insufferable. Focus in on the worst case possible scenario. Focus in on how God's let you down because you're in this situation you never thought you'd be in. He doesn't say any of that. He says, no matter what situation you find yourself in, focus in on what's good, right, true, noble, worthy of praise. Focus in on truth. Fill your heart with truth. Now, please hear me. Please hear me because we can take this verse and so misapply it and we actually do ourselves a great disservice. This is not to be used as a form of legalism. I see well-meaning Christians do this all the time. Well, we can't watch this. We can't do this. We can't listen to that because the Bible says whatever's good, right, noble, holy, pure, trustworthy, or praise. Those are the things that we need to think on. It's, it's, that's not what it's getting at. This is what you believe at the deepest part of who you are, the truth that you hold on to, who you, what you believe of yourself, what you believe of God, what you believe of his plans and purposes for your life, how he in, involves himself in the affairs of man. Those things, think on those things, believe those things because life is going to come at you. There's a battle for your heart. You need to fix your heart on this. But this isn't a, um, okay, let's just create a list of rules. It would be easier to give you a list of rules. The problem is we're people and not robots. Robots operate by programs. Programs need lists. People don't need lists. People need relationships. Specifically, they need a relationship with the living God. And we operate best when we're in relationship with God. Your heart and my heart operate best when living in a loving relationship with God. Not when we're saying, I got to keep the list I can't watch this. I can't look at that. I can't listen to that. If I drive by that road and there's that billboard, I have to tell all my kids to close their eyes and yell the name Jesus. That that doesn't help. It might make you feel better. It doesn't help because that's not what this this verse is getting at. This verse is getting at if you drive by that billboard, you say that billboard meaneth nothing to me. I know the truth of who God is. I know the truth that set me free. I'm going to walk in that truth. I don't have to worry about a billboard. I can just say God is good. God is faithful. God has overcome the world. God is the spirit of God in me is greater than the spirit of this world. What do I need to be afraid of? So that's the truth we need to walk in. That's why David wrote this. He said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He didn't say, I have memorized the rules so that I can keep them. He said, your word, Father, Jesus, God. He didn't say Jesus because he wasn't a Christian. Um, I know you're shocked. David wasn't a Christian. No, he wasn't. Um, But he said, Lord, 
I, I want to be in such an intimate, close relationship with you that I don't do anything. I don't behave in any way. I don't do anything that would jeopardize our relationship. I want to know you so much. I want to know how you want me to live, how you ask me to behave, how you ask me to interact with people. I want to live that way so much so that nothing damages our relationship. And that's a lot different than give me a list of rules. So Paul says we need to prepare ourselves. We need to meditate on the truth of God's word. We need to train ourselves. We need to think on this over and over and over. And I know what some of you may be thinking right now. You say, Pastor, I've tried to do that. I've, I've looked in the Bible. I found a verse. I try and read that verse. I try and stand that. I try and declare it over in my life. But you don't understand. I start saying it and I'm good for about 15 seconds. And on a good day, I get to 37 seconds. And before you know it, I've, I've, I've declared that truth over my life. And then, I mean, I'm partway through it. And then I'm thinking, oh, I've got these bills to pay. I've got this phone call to make. I've got to go shopping. I've got to run this errand. I've got to deal with this situation. I've got to make this decision. And I've, I don't even remember the truth I was trying to declare anymore. Because my mind has drifted. And you're right, your mind will drift. Because you have to train yourself. You have to train yourself to focus. You have to train yourself for this. And it takes time. I don't know about you, but for me, my heart, my mind, my thoughts drift and they drift quickly. It's one of the reasons Jesus said this is a daily practice, right? He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus, today, in this moment, help me to look at you as a source of my provision. This day, in the earth of who I am, help your word, your truth, your purposes to come alive in me. We have to do this every day because our hearts drift. Our hearts drift to the things that, uh, that make us scared, that make us uncertain, that irritate us, that bother us, that, that, that our past. I remember what I did. It was years ago. I remember what they said about me. I remember what they did to me. Our minds drift to all that stuff, so we have to train ourselves over and over and over. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. I will stand on that truth. So last week, what we said was you, the first thing you need to do is identify the biggest mental stronghold in your life. What is that thing in your heart, that lie that is holding you uh, captive? And then once you've identified it, what you need to do is this. Identify the truth that demolishes the stronghold. So you need to look at God's word, pray about it, research, look, read, and that truth, ask someone, ask a pastor, ask a small group leader, ask a mentor. Tell me, I'm having a hard time finding that in God's word that, that is the, the antithesis of what it is that I believe. But, but go in and find that truth because that truth is what you bring to bear against that lie. So you, you'll, you, you find that truth and then you begin to apply it to your life. You begin to think on it. You begin to... Um, and just say it over and over and over. And there's going to be times, it, it takes time. It's going to feel like I, I'm saying this, but I don't believe it. Just keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. And why is this so important, right? So, so you find that truth. And not just any truth, the truth based on God's word. And you write it out. Write it out in your own words. You write it out, how that applies to you. And then begin to think on it. Say it over and over. Think on it time and time again. Because once you start thinking on something, you'll begin to know it. 
And it's so important to know it because Jesus said, when you read the truth, the truth will set you free. No, he didn't say that. He said, when you hear the truth, the truth will set... No, he didn't say that. He said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So you have to believe it. You have to know it at the depth of who you are. So you start thinking on it over and over and over again. Because by thinking it, eventually you'll know it. This is what it says in the Proverbs. It says, for as he, as a man, as a person, thinks in his heart, so he is. So if you start thinking something over and over and over, eventually you'll know it. You'll know it at the core of who you are. Once you know it, you'll believe it. Once you believe it, you'll start walking in it. So here's what that looks like. You write it out. You think on it over and over and over again until you know it. Once you know it, you'll believe it. And as you believe it, you'll begin to walk in it. So you just have to do this. This is training. This doesn't happen immediately. Okay, if you were um, uh, training to be a sword fighter, right? The first time you pick up the sword, you're going to be clumsy with it. You're not going to swing it well. Your form's going to be off. You're not going to have a good base. And after about 10 minutes, your arm is going to be so tired, it's going to feel like it's going to fall off. And if you say, I can never be a good sword fighter, you're right, you never will be. But if you train Day after day after day after day after week after month, what happens? You build up muscle memory, you build up form, you build up technique, and then the moment that the battle hits and you pick up that sword, you don't have to think, how do I fight with the sword? It just all comes naturally. Because you've built up, you've trained, you've prepared for that moment. It's the same way with the Word of God. Write it down. Think on it over and over and over again until you know it at the core of who you are and you believe it with all that you are so that at the moment when the battle's raging for your heart, you don't have to think, is there a truth somewhere? You say, I know what the truth is. And then God, by His Holy Spirit, fights for you through you because you have prepared for battle. But so many times, we, I, I got a truth somewhere. I wrote it down. I don't know where it is. I've lost it. I, I mean, what was that again? You've not prepared for battle. You've not trained for war. And when the battle rages, you won't be ready. So you have to identify that area. It's, I, I'm wrestling with, uh, uh, I'm never going to have a good marriage. I, I'm never going to be uh, amount to anything. I have no value. God knows what I did. He's always going to hold it against me. So you identify that truth and you prepare. And it takes time. So the Apostle Paul, we talked about him last week. He has this encounter with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, Syria. And on that road, Jesus himself, the resurrected Jesus, gives him an apostolic mandate. You're going to be sent out as a, as a prophet, as a man to the nations. And it's 15 years between him receiving that and him actually being sent out. 15 years. But he didn't just say, well, okay, God gave me a call. When the time's right, I'll be ready. For 15 years, he trained, he prepared, he studied. He began to look at, okay, I used to persecute Christians. I used to see them put to death. I threw them in jail. I'm going to overcome all that stuff so that when the time is right, I'm ready. So he can write what we talked about last week. I can forget what lies behind. And I can press on. So you and I have to prepare ourselves for these things. So I want to give you some examples of what this could look like in your life. This, this might not be you, but I just want to, because you have to work this out. You have to write, you have to do the training. You have to do the preparation. So let's say maybe you really struggle with knowing God's will for your life. Feeling like I know the direction, the plan, the purpose God has 
for my life. So you pray, you go into the word, you write, you, you see what God's word says about hearing his voice and knowing his plans and, and his direction. And you write down something like this. My life is hidden in Christ. As I seek him daily, he will direct my steps. I know his voice and will be led by his spirit. And you write that down and you think on it and you speak it over and over and over and over into your life until you know it, until you believe it, so that when the battle rages, you're ready to walk in it. Maybe for you, it's more of um, you just wrestle with a sense of value and, and, and I just don't have any value. I'm not going to accomplish anything. Your sense of worth is very low. So this is what you write down. My confidence is in Christ me boldness because his spirit lives within me. I can do everything he calls me to do. God is with me. I do not need to be afraid. You base that truth on God's word. You write it down. You think on it over and over and over and over until you know it because when you know it, you'll believe it. And when you believe it, when the battle rages, you'll be ready to walk in it. For someone else, maybe you wrestle with pornography and lust and, and just lustful thoughts and lust of the eye and it's, it's ongoing battle and you say, I'm never going to overcome this. And so and the truth based on God's word is this. I am no longer a slave to sin. I have been set free. I will honor God with my eyes and with my thoughts. The Lord is faithful. He will help me overcome every temptation. And so you write that down. And you think on it over and over and over and over until you know it. Because when you know it, you'll believe it. And when you believe it, you'll walk in it and you'll be ready for when the battle rages. So those are some examples of what that might look like for you. But I want to give you a real life example of what this looks like for me. Because like I said, this is a battle for your heart. And for you and for me, this is a battle that will rage until you leave this earth. I am not exempt from this. And so for me, there are times when you will see in my life, and my, my wife and kids would tell you this, except they're too nice and they want to protect their husband and their father and not make him look bad. But if, if they were completely honest, they would say, yes, that's true. That there are times when I work way too hard, way too much. As a matter of fact, it's really, really, really difficult for me to turn the work button off. I mean, that's I'm, I'm just always finding something to do and if I can't find something to do I'll make up something to do and if I can't make up something to do I'll go back to stuff I've already done uh, but I'll just I like I work like that now the issue isn't work the issue is the underlying lie that I believed and that lie is that I believe that success rests on my shoulders that if I'm going to succeed it's it's incumbent upon me that somehow I compare myself to others, other churches, to other ministers, whatever it is. And I say, my success as a church is my responsibility. And if I don't do it, somehow or other, it's all going to fall apart. So I focus too much there and not enough at home on my wife and on my kids. And so then there are those moments where I say, I need to make a shift. I need to shift from focusing so much here and focus there. But the problem is I haven't dealt with the underlying lie that success is my responsibility. And so now I'm focused on my wife and my kids and I say, now their, for, their future, their success, their faith, their walk with God, their sense of accomplishment, their sense of identity all rests on my shoulders. If they're going to have a great life and a great walk with the Lord, I have to do it. Because if I don't do it, then I failed as a father. So I have to 
I have all this responsibility. The problem is that's like not true. I could be a perfect father and still have kids that go in a direction I don't want them to go. If you don't believe that, just think about God. God was a perfect father to Adam and Eve, and yet they went their own way. So what I have to do is I have to stay, step back and say, where is that lie? What is that lie? Success is my responsibility. And what's the truth? And so this is what I wrote, wrote down for myself. And this is what I tell myself over and over and over again. It is the Lord who gives me the ability to succeed in life and in ministry. My responsibility is to love my wife and give my life for her to be a godly example to my children and to shepherd his people. It is Jesus who will build his church. The greatest success I can achieve is becoming more like him. And I tell myself that over and over and over and over because I want to know it at the core of who I am. I want to believe it at the depth of my heart because when the battle rages and the battle comes, I want to be ready to walk in truth. And there are times when I'll say this multiple times during the day. And there are times I may not say this to myself for two or three or four days a week. But I'm, I'm training and I'm preparing myself because that battle is an ongoing battle for your heart and my heart. Why is this so important? Because the direction of your life is set by your heart. It's set by your heart. And if your heart is believing a lie, you'll never accomplish everything that God wants you to accomplish. You'll never be everything God wants you to be. You'll never uh, uh, go all the places God wants you to go. So you have to identify the lie and then find that truth and write it out and train and train and train and prepare because the greatest way to guard your heart is to fill it with truth. And here's the truth. There is a battle raging for your heart and my heart. And here's the truth, the greatest truth, the foundational truth. Jesus has already won the war. Jesus has already won the war. Yes, there's a battle raging for your heart, but the war is already won. What you and I need to do is identify that truth and say, Jesus has won the war. He will fight for me, through me, if I train and prepare for the battle at hand. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And God, I don't know what it is in each person here, but I know for each person here, if we're honest with ourselves, there is some lie some of us, it's more than one, but for all of us, there's some lie that has somehow or other wormed its way into our hearts. For some of us, we've been training, we've been preparing. And we're seeing victory over that lie. For others of us, that lie is destroying us. So God, I'm asking right now, by your Holy Spirit, would you begin to Reveal to us the truth that we need to walk in, the truth that we need to declare, the truth that we need to think on so that we can know it and believe it and be prepared for when the battle rages. If you would say right where you are, there's a lie that I believed. There's a lie that I'm believing. There's a lie that's I know what it is. It's right where you are, right where you're seated. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you right now. If you would say, there's some lie. There's some lie. There's some lie. Heavenly Father, for each hand that's raised, if you're joining us online, you could click the, the, the button that says, there's a lie that I believe. Pray for me. That's me. God, for each hand that's raised, those joining us online, God, I'm asking by your Holy Spirit, speak truth, shine truth, 
the light of truth. Our past is not who we are. What we've done doesn't have to be what we do. God, you love us. You value us. You have a plan and a purpose for our lives. God, we can have a great marriage. We can find success with our children. God, we can find meaning and purpose in our lives. God, bring that truth alive inside of us. Now, there's one lie that some of you believe. It's this. God doesn't love me. God hates me. God's mad at me. God would never, ever, ever want anything to do with someone like me because you have your list of everything you've ever done wrong. That's the lie that you believe that God doesn't love you. The truth is God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to die for you. He sent his perfect son to live a perfect life and die a brutal death that three days later he would be raised from the dead so that your sins can be forgiven and you could spend eternity with him in heaven. But for some of you, you you can't, it's so hard for you to accept that. You believe that lie. That God's the enemy who's mad at you. God's not the enemy who's mad at you. God's the friend who loves you. He's the father who's waiting to welcome you home. And he's, this is that day and this is that moment. So once, one more time, I'm going to ask if everyone would close their eyes and bow their heads. And if you would say, today, today I want to give my life to Jesus. Just raise your hand right now. I want to give my heart and surrender my life to him. If you're joining us online, just click that button. Now I want to lead us in a simple prayer, and I'm going to ask everyone here, whether you've raised your hand or not, would you repeat this after me? Heavenly Father, please forgive me. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in Jesus. I believe he came and lived a perfect life. I believe he died, and I believe three three days later, he rose again. So I give you my life. And I receive new life in Christ. Fill me now with your spirit. Allow me to live for you. To tell others about you. And look forward to an eternity with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, welcome to God's family. We are so excited you are now part of God's family. When we finish up here this morning, please come. Let someone pray with you. Let them pray for you and tell you and help you take those next steps in this new life with Jesus. But now I'm going to ask if all of you would stand to your feet. We're going to end with a couple songs. And when, this, uh, when these songs are played, if you would say, I would like prayer. There's some lies that I've believed. And I'd like someone to pray with me, to pray for me, because I'm tired of living these lies. We're going to have prayer teams up here uh, on either side. You can just come forward. They're going, to, they're going to speak truth into your life. Some of you feel like you're damaged goods and that you're not worthy of love and acceptance. Some of you feel like what you've done in the past, it's it just you're always going to be considered a second-rate Christian. But the Bible tells us God makes all things new. He wants to create in you a clean heart and a new spirit. So allow someone to come down, come down and allow someone to pray with you and for you. But before we sing these songs, I'm going to ask if you would close your eyes. I want to declare some things over you as a person, over this church, because some of you haven't even ever heard the truth spoken over your life. So as I speak these words, realize this is the truth 
of God. This is the truth of God's word being spoken into your life and allow it to bring life to you. Oh God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for who you are. And if you now, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are strong and you are mighty. You have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead living inside of you. You are meant to be a light in a dark world. Worry is not your master and fear is not your spirit. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what you thought. You are who God says you are. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are free and you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You are not a hostage to your thoughts. You have the mind of Christ. You can live free from your habits because you have the spirit of the living God directing your steps. The Lord is your helper. You need not be afraid of anything. God will bless you in everything if you will put him first in everything. And you need to know that nothing, nothing, nothing can ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not life, not death, no devil from hell or demon can separate you from his love. Not the past, not the present, or not anything that will ever come. You are safe and secure in his hand. Oh God, I pray right now that we would grab hold of those truths, that we would believe them. And if there are any lies that have taken root in our heart, God, we would demolish them by the truth of your word. And so now as we worship God, if you say, I need prayer, I'd like prayer, I want prayer, please come and let someone pray with you and for you.